Our second lesson is from Colossians, the third chapter, verses 1 through 4. Paul writes, Since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with God and with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Before I get into today's meditation, I wanted to share with all of you an experience from this last week that I think is uh, illustrative, as they say regarding the uh, conversation that we're having this year about senior pastor transitions and such. Uh, And I want you to look around very carefully, bend your neck, and uh, do what your mother's told you not to do. That's, you know, stare at someone behind you in church. At least that's what my mom told me. Um, So if you remember, personally, uh, Pastor uh, Orville Morin, raise your hand and keep it up. Now look around, brothers and sisters. You see how many hands are up and you see how many hands are not. Thank you for participating. Uh, Pastor Morin served on this staff many years ago. He um, was an associate pastor with Pastor Russell Lee and um, now lives in Minnesota. But he was uh, back this week visiting um, Albuquerque. He was with his daughter, Becky, if any of you remember Becky, who graduated from El Dorado in uh, 1977. Um, at any rate, uh, some of you know that we were praying for Orville uh, earlier this year at the death of uh, his wife, our sister in Christ, Burnell. And uh, Orville was back and just wanted to come by faith while he was here. And one of our uh, employees, one of our staff members in the front office area said, you know, Pastor uh, Orville's here. Do you have a minute? And I, I happened to have some time between appointments. And it was good to see Orville. And he asked me to greet all of you. Uh, He's thankful for Faith Lutheran. Um, He is uh, worshiping at a congregation in um, the suburbs of Minneapolis that even hosted one of our LCMC annual conventions years ago. And Orville wanted me to greet all of you, not just those who remember him. But he communicated to me that he prays for Faith Lutheran every day in his devotions. And he's thankful that we continue to be a vibrant, mission-focused community. evangelical community. But here's what's illustrative. You saw the number of hands that went up. And I imagine it's going to be about the same at 9.30 and 11. And someday, someone standing here might say, raise your hands if you remember Bruce Wilder. And I hope and pray that it is a minority of hands that go up. Because if it's a majority of hands, then we haven't had much growth. (laughs) And I'm hoping and praying, you know, for a bright future for our congregation and this conversation that we're having this weekend with John and Roger is all about uh, being good stewards and um, being faithful and being wise, you know, and learning from the experience of other churches, not just Lutheran, but in all denominations. Very quickly, because I can't be here this afternoon for the second uh, presentation Uh, When Kirsten and I were in Arizona for that senior pastor and spouse conference, we spent a lot of our time 
listening to and ministering to some young senior pastors in their 30s and 40s who are going through a lot of what Kirsten and I went through back in 1998, 99, 2000. Uh, One of them, in fact, uh, this Sunday afternoon, this afternoon, uh, the congregation where he's been less than two years is having a vote of confidence, no confidence. Um, Another, uh, over in Arizona, um, has been there less than two years, and he's already looking for a new call to go somewhere else. It's just unbearable. And two other younger pastors, um, they said, you know, the people brought us here because they did a national search, and they told me, you know, the pastor, that I'm exactly the kind of person they're looking for with all these great new ideas and new energy. Well, in those congregations, both giving and worship attendance are down by um, 25% in one instance and 40% in another. And they're already laying off staff and cutting programs, and one of those churches has gone from three to two services. So when we talk about the future and succession, we're not just making this up. And um, it's all based on real-world experience of congregations, Presbyterian, Baptist, Episcopal, non-denom, And so I ask you in this coming year to stay engaged in the conversation and understand that um, many years of thoughtful research and prayer went into the proposal that we told you about at the annual meeting in January. I know this morning's weather was a little colder than most, but we are enjoying these uh, longer days and warmer temperatures. It's this time of year that my friends and relatives and pastoral colleagues back in Minnesota don't want to hear from me how beautiful the weather is in the land of enchantment. Uh, Just last night, a friend sent a picture to me with kind of a Rodney Dangerfield. I don't get no respect, but he was planning to barbecue today, and there's snow like this high on the back deck and the picnic bench and uh, the barbecue itself. We... um, We're blessed to live in this part of God's creation. And I was reminded with this um, early spring-like weather that we had recently of a man who was here last spring visiting Albuquerque for the first time. In fact, he was here for a wedding on a Saturday night. And after the Friday evening rehearsal, he decided that he wanted to explore our wonderful environment Back home in Missouri, he had done his homework, an online search for hiking trails in Albuquerque, and he decided to try La Luz because it's only 7.2 miles in length. And the website described for him all the beautiful panoramic views from the top of the majestic Sandia Mountains. And Doing his math, he figured, well, back home, I know how long it takes me to walk five or six miles, so he thought he could make it up in two, and then maybe down in one. A three-hour excursion. Didn't go well for him. He never made it to the top, not even close. And even though he goes for daily walks back home in Missouri, where the elevation is 450 feet... Uh, La Luz was different because the trailhead starts at about 7,000 feet. And those of you who know understand that at the apex, um, you're at 10,678 feet elevation. This man tried. 
He really tried. He tried hard. But he wasn't prepared for that kind of physical challenge. He wasn't prepared for that kind of hike. Because trying is one thing. And training is another. That's the theme of our meditation today. I know this from personal experience, and some of you are aware that I participate every summer in an event called Train to Hunt Challenge. It's kind of like a Spartan race with bows and arrows and without the mud. This summer, I'm going to be competing in a Train to Hunt Challenge in Colorado with my daughter Meredith and her fiancé Ryan, and then another one in Wisconsin with my daughter Melinda and my son-in-law Israel. My first train-to-hunt experience was in 2014 in those mountains west of Castle Rock, Colorado. It was tough. It was tougher than I imagined. I was completely out of breath in the final 200-yard sprint to the finish line in one of the three events in front of all the spectators who were there. And it was to be a sprint to the finish line, but I wasn't sprinting. I was doing what Kirsten described as something of a (laughs) chariots of fire. Remember the slow motion? She said I was like running in slow motion to the finish line. I was the oldest competitor then in the nation at the age of 56. And I had a flashback to my childhood because I don't know if any of you had this kind of experience in your youth, but when I was playing sports, and all the moms and dads were screaming. I could always hear my parents' voices in the midst of all that noise. And in the midst of all the people who were cheering. And you know my wife, Kirsten. She's kind of a stoic, reserved Norwegian. I hear Kirsten's voice. Move it, old man! Come on now, move it, you old man! I'm like, wow. I didn't know she had it in her. And I don't know if I picked up any speed, but with her voice ringing in my ears, I wasn't going to stop and start walking the way some of the uh, other competitors were doing. And I managed to cross that finish line with a smile on my face. I'm the oldest competitor, I'm told, for 2018. I'd love to have some of you join me. I can tell you all about it if you're interested. I can even help you get a, a brand new bow. And they even created a new category uh, for what they call the geezers like me, the senior master division, 60 years of age and plus. Anyway, here's my point. I tried at my first train to hunt event, and now I train. And there's a difference. And a few of our fellow church members have seen me in local parks and on the trails as I'm doing my burpees, as I'm doing step-ups on picnic benches, as I'm throwing 40-pound sandbags over my shoulder, as I'm running with 60 pounds in my backpack. And some of you have told me, Pastor, that's just crazy. But what's crazy to you is training for me. I don't just try anymore. I can't afford to settle for trying. I need to train. I have to train. You may not climb La Luce. You may have no interest whatsoever in archery or Spartan races or tough mutters. But there are areas of your life where the difference between trying and training make all the difference. You can try golfing 
with no prior experience or advice. You can try really hard, but unless you train your body how to swing properly and follow through, you'll never become a scratch golfer. If you want to play a musical instrument, it's not enough to try. You must train. You must practice as we are blessed every week to hear Rhonda practicing all the songs that we'll be singing with our hymns and as she accompanies the choir. Rhonda did not get to this skill level by simply trying to play once or twice a month, but by dedicating herself to her art. You can try bowling, but don't expect a lot of spares and strikes if you only try it once a month. And you can try to replace the roof on your home to save some money, but I don't want to be in your living room when the monsoon season begins here in Albuquerque. You can buy a rod and wade into the San Juan with no prior experience and try fly fishing, but don't expect to take home a lot of trout in your creel. You have to practice your casting. You have to train your body and the muscle memory so you can know instinctually just what to do to cast that fly at different distances. And being followers of Jesus Christ requires more than trying. It takes training. You can, and some of you have, accept Jesus Christ. You can accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in a moment. And some of you remember that beautiful, spirit-filled moment when you came to true repentance and God melted your heart and Christ came to you in a newborn faith. And that's a beautiful thing. But it takes a lifetime of devotion and discipline to grow in faith, hope, and love. It takes daily discipleship in order to experience the transformation that God desires for us as we seek to be his people. I hope that you'll take some time and read the rest of Colossians chapter 3 today or tonight. Because what Paul is talking about there is this sanctification, this process of how God changes us by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And we give God all the glory and all the credit but Paul doesn't say, well, since you've been raised with Christ, uh, try and think about the kingdom and try to set your minds on Jesus. And if you try, well, then you might share in the glory of Christ when he comes again. Paul's talking about a lot more than trying here. He is really talking about spiritual training, daily discipline, continual effort. Commitment that is grace-initiated and grace-sustained. Seeking the will of God and what you say and do daily. Pursuing it. Putting your faith into practice. Putting your belief into action. I trust that you know that setting your mind on pleasing God includes showing up for worship on the weekend but it includes the other six days of the week as well with your life and your choices and what you say and do at work, at school, with your friends, in your home. Uh, three years ago, I lovingly challenged our congregation to do two basic things. I'm wondering if any of you remember. Uh, the first was memorize the Ten Commandments in order. And then, 
as you have those commandments written on your heart by memory and you think of them every day, just let the Spirit be your guide in terms of how you might seek clarity on one of those commandments and how it might direct and guide your speech and behavior that 24-hour cycle. The second thing I did was encourage everyone to start praying. And I said, if you were blessed to live with a spouse in your home, then to start praying aloud with your beloved. And I even gave you um, a Mike Easton. Uh, He didn't create it, but everyone said it reminded them of Mike Easton with his love of NASCAR. Uh, I gave you the STP formula for prayer. Do you remember? Uh, Sorry, S, just acknowledging to God the ways you know that you failed him. And the things that you did that you know grieve his heart. Uh, T, uh, thanking God for his grace, for the gift of Christ, for his love that is relentless, for the blessings in your life. And then P, you know, please, STP, uh, please, you intercede. Please, God, I want you to bless this family that's going through a difficult time. Please, Lord, I want you to surround this family uh, where the father just died with your grace and mercy. In the months following that sermon... Some of our members told me, when I asked them, how's it going? How's it going, memorizing the Ten Commandments? I heard from some who said, well, I tried. I got the first three commandments memorized, but then I just got tired. It was hard. I gave up. Other people, with regard to prayer, said, well, I I tried praying every day. But you know, Pastor, my life is really busy. (laughs) And I just ran out of time. I got a lot to do, you know. Well, these aren't bad people who said such things. They're God's people. They're beloved in the Lord's sight. But you see, it's one thing to try once or twice. It's another thing to train every day, especially when it's hard. To be physically fit, you got to do more than join a health club or buy some exercise equipment. You've got to actually do something with it. Spending money is one thing. Setting aside time dedicated for weight training or cardio exercise is another. Last year was another typical year in these United States. Those who track such things report that, once again, over 25 million Bibles were sold in these United States. And that's been about the sales rate for the last five, six years And that generated an estimated um, sales total of about $450 million. It's estimated that 90% of all American households have at least, and many have more than, one Bible in their home. And that's a good thing. But how many people and how many of us actually take the Bible off the coffee table or remove the Kleenex box on top of it on the nightstand? to open it and read it. And in light of what Jesus has to say, all in keeping with Colossians 3, how many of us put into practice what God teaches us from his word? I preached on this earlier this year. You remember these words of Christ from Matthew 7? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like the wise man who built his house on rock. Rain fell, floods came, winds blew, beat on that house, but it didn't fall because it had been founded on rock. Everyone who hears these words but doesn't do them is like the foolish man who built on sand. Rain fell, floods came, winds blew and beat beat against that house, 
and it fell, and its fall was great. You see, Jesus tells us that our spiritual wisdom, our fitness in Christ, enables us to stand strong even in times of trouble. The wise person banks on, stands on, leans into and trusts the word. The foolish person just lets the word go in one ear and out the other and doesn't put it into action. There's a real important insight here as Jesus tells the story of the wise man and the foolish man. The rain, the floods, the winds, the storms of life, if you will. They're things that we all have to face. And some of you might be in the middle of a really horrific storm right now that's raging around you. Um, I didn't expect to be driving to the hospital at 80 miles an hour because my mom was in the emergency room with a stroke three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, we weren't planning a funeral service for Jared Everman. Wise or foolish, the rain, the floods, the winds, they come upon us all. So spiritual fitness training does not mean that we are somehow protected from the world around us or the pain and the difficulties that exist. Being word doers does not put us inside some protective bubble where all the trouble stays away. Instead, Jesus tells us the rain, the flood, the wind, they're going to come, but they won't destroy because you're mine and you're standing on rock. So when we're spiritually fit and training, we may cry. We will cry. We'll mourn. We may even suffer, but these things do not defeat us. They don't have the final word. And secondly, let's not, let's not complicate this. You can put the word of God into practice. You have the capacity, by the work of the Holy Spirit, to act on God's word. One of our members told me a while back that he had a really bad habit, and he learned it from his father, of taking the Lord's name in vain whenever he got frustrated. And he said, you know, Pastor, it's, it's the worst when I'm golfing. And he said, the words just come out, you know, GD it. Every time I slice or hook the ball, which he said was often. And he said, I, I came up with something trying to obey the commandment of not taking the Lord's name in vain. Every time I heard my dad's voice and those words just bubbling up from inside me, instead I would just say to one of the guys I'm golfing with, God bless you, and they would laugh. Or he would say, God help me, and they said, you do need help with your golf game. But over time, it worked. And it wasn't just a silly little change in language where the bless you and help me became the new profanity. He came to realize that God is holy, and he is the one who blesses and helps in time of trouble, not just on the golf course. Another person I know said he had no time for daily prayer. I asked him how much time he spent staring down at his iPhone that he kept glancing at while he was talking to me in the centrum. 
Turns out he's got plenty of time for prayer. So now instead of turning on his iPhone first thing in the morning and checking it for an hour, text messages, how many likes he got on Facebook, he just lets it sit there and he prays for 10 minutes. Just a small change, but it's enabling him now to be a person of prayer. And you know, we do the word because it pleases God, not because we're trying to score points. It's not about earning our way to heaven. We want to be word doers. We want to be in training in a spirit of joy and thanksgiving because God is good. God is great. We do the word because the word is trustworthy. It's true. It's reliable. It is life. It has authority. Training for anything takes time and commitment. Dancing, crocheting, tennis, painting, singing, uh, even trained to hunt. It doesn't come easy, but the benefits can be well worth the effort. Spiritual fitness and Christian growth do not come automatically with being baptized and accepting Jesus. It takes time and commitment. And the benefits are worth it, and the benefits are eternal. And let's remember this as we get ready to move into Holy Week and we think about um, the cross. It's Jesus who paid the price for our spiritual well being. The cross was no easy task. He did more than try. He carried it. It was difficult. It was burdensome. It was painful. He felt forsaken and said so. But he died faithfully so we could be alive, fully alive and spiritually active. Word doers, one and all. So don't wait for some extraordinary situation to be a word doer or some catastrophe You can live your life each and every moment under the lordship of Jesus and by the authority of his kingdom. You can do the word in the ordinary moments of life, at work, at home, in your place of business, in your relationships. To the glory of God, let's do our best. And yeah, let's try. Let's try our hardest. But let's not forget the training. Training that we do together giving God our best to follow Jesus and glorify his name. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.